On this episode of the Breaking the Game Show, Austin and I discuss the possibility of an all-star game this season. We get into our all-star selection for both conferences, and then we close it off with our conference big three. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Nash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and my co-host today is the same co-host that I always have, and that is Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, brother? Not much, man. It's been a, a good weekend. Had some relaxing time with my family, so it's it's been a good day, and we get to end it with my favorite part of the day. How you doing? Oh, man, doing great. You know, I went to a, a kid's birthday party earlier I was telling you about, and uh Went about as good as kids' birthday parties normally go as a grown man. So, you know, it was all right. But I'm glad to be back here today working with you, talking about our All-Star Break special. Yes, it's going to be a good episode. I'm excited. This is a good idea by you to jump into the All-Star stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you. You know, you have a bunch of good ideas every once in a while. I'm lucky enough to have one. So, Oh, come on. <laughs> all right. like that. All right. Well, I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself for an hour. We're going to get into it. So, Austin, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because it's interesting. You know, we came yeah. into the season. We knew that the All-Star game was not going to take place because of COVID and all that stuff that goes along with protocols and social distancing and mask and planning and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. the NBA is going to make it up to you. They're going to give it to you on the back end. What year are they giving it to you guys? I think 24 or something. Mm -hmm. yep. 2024, yep. I think is right. So Austin, what would a, how would you feel as an, as someone who lives in Indiana and loves basketball um, that I canceled your All Star game because we weren't going to have one, but then like a month or so before we're like, hey, we're going to do one, but it's going to be in Atlanta now. How would you feel as an NBA fan? Um, well, it, it sucks to be completely honest. It's not it's not very cool. You know, I I actually have been kind of saving up money for almost two years to try to get tickets you know some good seats to go to it so i'm a little bummed but it's just you know a two or three more years i have to wait i guess it's not the end of the world and then that uh that savings account for those tickets will be a lot bigger by then so maybe i'll get floor seats or something who knows yeah but, i mean you, know. you, you could definitely do that but the city of atlanta now um in the state of georgia where i live so you're getting it taken away from you and it's given to me so i think that this is a great idea but, hey it's um, cool as long as you got it i'm okay with it at least if one, one of us. us wins man we both win that's how it exactly. works exactly but um austin i just want to kind of touch on what the planning is right now there's nothing definitive nothing has been set in stone but kind of what the thinking is is that um it's going to be held on a target date of march the 7th and what's interesting is that some of the proceeds are going to be given to kind of like the historically uh, black college universities. Uh, you know, Atlanta is a is a key city for for such an occasion, and uh, obviously COVID nineteen relief. And this was suggested by Chris Paul, who we know is the president of the Players Association. Mm -hmm. Right, he does a lot of work with the league and very active in the community and with the NBA at large. So. What do you think of this idea? Obviously, Atlanta is where Turner is, and that's a big NBA town and a big mm -hmm. NBA you know, company. So probably trying to recruit some of the losses that they were going to be expecting to have on any you know, normal season here. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's a great idea. Uh, obviously, it was surprising to me in the first place when they canceled it originally, just because the amount of money that the league's already lost and, mm -hmm. you know, the chance to make at least a little bit of it back. It doesn't it didn't make a whole lot of sense not to have one if they're, you know, they're playing games every night of the week. An all-star game doesn't seem like it would be any more dangerous necessarily. But two, you know, Atlanta's a great city. You know, it's a big, huge you know, obviously Metropolis, it's a big basketball place. I think it's, it's a, it's a good place to hold it. And I don't, I don't have too many hard feelings about it mainly just because I think the the main reason that it got canceled from here is because the arena wasn't available um, mm -hmm. any other time. So that's part of the big part of the reason they moved it. So um, I do think it's a good idea. Um, I'm glad that uh, they're not just going to have, or at least hopefully not just going to have like a token, all-star team and you know it would kind of stink if it was your first time or maybe the only time you get you know picked for the all-star team and you don't even get to play the game so i think it's it's probably a good thing all around and then obviously the you know the charity portion of it i think is great so 
Yeah. And we know that the league has been pretty active and, you know, promoting and helping, you know, other industries, companies, and obviously these, uh, HBCUs would be a cool venue for or venture for them to kind of get into, to help support. And because mm-hmm. there's been rumors that a lot of the top prospects are wanting to start a, like kind of start going to these HBCUs. So giving them money obviously would be able to help facilitate mm-hmm. such a, such an endeavor. Right. But, Austin, let's get into it, man. Now that we know that there's probably going to be an all-star game, let's get into the meat and potatoes of what we want to talk about today. Sounds sounds like a plan, man. Let's do it. All right. So I'm kind of interested to see where we, you know, differ on this one because we're not coming on the show. We didn't kind of do a collaborated all-star team. We do that sometimes with some things, but mm-hmm. you know, Austin, you're a man of your own thinking. I'm a man of my own. So I want to kind of get in here and see who we have on our Eastern Conference all-star teams and we'll just kind of go down the list and talk mm-hmm. about some key guys that we agree on some that we differ on austin so do you want to involve first or do you want to let me i'll go right ahead man i'll let you uh i'll let you start us off all righty so here are my start here's my starting lineup for the eastern conference i have bradley beal Jalen brown kevin durant Giannis antetokounmpo and joel Embiid. coming off the bench i have james harden jason tatum trey young Demonta Sabonis, Zach Levine, Malcolm Brogdon, and Jeremy Grant. Very nice, very nice. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of differentiation there. I think, um, well, I'll just read you mine. My starting five is uh, Bradley Beal. I have Zach Levine starting, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. And then I have Brown, Colin Sexton from the Cavaliers, uh, Trey Young, Chris Middleton, Julius Randle, Malcolm Brogdon, and Jeremy Grant. So we have a few differences in there, but uh, I'm kind of surprised to to see. I figured you'd have Kyrie on yours. I'm surprised that we both had left him off. So yeah, so let's get into that. That's the mm-hmm. that's probably the best place to go with this one. Uh, do you want to give your explanation why you didn't include him, or do you want me? to Yeah. Do so I just uh, I, it was kind of the same reason I left Jason Tatum off too, and it's just the number of games that they've missed. And you know, Tatum, I I kind of feel bad for putting him in the same you know category is Kyrie because Tatum couldn't really help that he couldn't really help that he missed those games and Kyrie just kind of took off for a while and decided to go do his own thing so um, he actually didn't qualify on the websites I was looking at Kyrie this is for uh, having played enough to be in the league leaders for like points per game and stuff so um, that was part of my thinking it was a big reason I left him off just more so you know there's other guys that have been playing all year that have been in just about every game that are as good or close to as good that I just think deserved it more. So that, that was my thinking with it. Okay. And that's fair enough. That's kind of the same reason why I left him off. And it wasn't so much of the, you know, the drama aspect, like, Oh my goodness, Kyrie Irving, he's so extra or anything like that. Mine was, is that not only did he miss time, but it's voluntary. And you can say that like he, he went through a family thing and all this and that I'm not trying to be insensitive or indifferent to that. You know, that's fine, but that's also, not other players fault either you know what i mean so like as bad as we can feel for him missing for family emergencies and things like that i'm not killing him for this you know i'm all just saying that like there were guys who either played more outright or missed time due to something that was out of their own control that like Mm -hmm. it wasn't do you want to play or not it's you can't play you know the the league set forth something in front of them to where they could not go out on the court and perform. So that's why I have a Jason Tatum on my list and I don't have a Kyrie Irving. That makes sense. And, you know, I just, I didn't even really think that much about it. So that's probably why (laughs) I left Tatum off too. I just, you know, kind of went off of the same thinking and never even really considered the aspect that, you know, he couldn't help it. So, you know, Tatum, obviously, if he'd been there all year, deserves to be on the all-star team. He probably could just about make make it as a starter if you really you know want to be honest about it he's having a great year he was really good last night i watched that lakers celtics game mm-hmm. and he was terrific last night so he's definitely deserving i just you know figured there was guys that have been around playing every game that deserve a little more so okay fair enough now let's talk about his teammate because i noticed mm-hmm. this was one exclusion off of your list that i had on mine i included james harden what was your your logic for kind of leaving him off um honestly i just think a big part of it for me was the um, the whole thing that the fiasco or whatever you want to call it, the saga in in Houston and all the off court antics and real really just crap that he put his teammates through, and then being traded halfway halfway through from one conference to the other kind of just made it 
seemed like a, a weird fit to put him on on the Eastern Conference squad for me. So again, another guy that's probably deserving, ta- you know, talent wise, obviously, and numbers wise. Just I just went a different direction, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. I thought about the whole switching conference halfway through, and obviously he was a little bit lackluster in Houston. Just you know, off of memory, but you know, I want to read off a couple of things that he's got going for him. Mm-hmm. I wrote about this on offtheballnetwork.com where you can go and get all your sports needs. At the time that I wrote this article, he was averaging 24 points, almost 11 assists, six rebounds, and a steal, shooting uh, 45% from the floor, 35% from deep, and just a hair under 87%. His, uh, his, you know, usage percentage, the lowest that it's been since he first went to Houston uh, at the 92nd percentile in the league. And he's also in the 98th percentile in the league in assist percentage. So that that means that most of the times where he's passing the ball, you can guarantee almost, you know, every single time his pass is leading to is leading directly to a basket. Right. So, yeah, for sure. That was my reason why I included him. But I totally understand the sentiment where maybe he didn't spend enough time in there. I just think that he played so well that no matter where he ended up, he needed to be in the all star game. Right. Okay, I get it. That's for sure. That makes sense. I do have one question for you. You don't have Colin Sexton. Why? What made you leave him off? Yeah, I was going to bring this up if you didn't touch on this. So first off, I just want to lead off with that. Colin Sexton is playing phenomenally well. As a matter of fact, Austin, I had about 20 guys on my list in the Eastern Conference alone. Oh, yeah. But I felt that you could make a legitimate case, not just like a oh, you know, maybe you can kind of squeeze them in. Like, no, these guys are playing at all star level, you know, performance wise they're playing at an all-star level so Colin Sexton unfortunately it came down to yeah all these guys are playing well who do I feel is the most sustainable you know what I mean so that's where I unfortunately looked at a Colin Sexton and said do I trust him more than I trust a Malcolm Brogdon do I trust him more than a DeMontis Sabonis or a Trey Young or a Zach Levine and there were cases last season for Zach Levine too and he's even better this year so that's why I have him on. It's almost kind of like right. a like rollover minutes almost, right? But mm-hmm. he's doing enough this season alone to be in there. But I feel like on top of what he did last season, that proves to me that his performance is more sustainable. Whereas Colin Sexton just kind of blew up in the first half of a season. I don't know if yeah. I want to reward him with that, you know, accolade for the entire season. You know, he mm-hmm. could prove some of the people that are looking at him wrong down the line. Mm-hmm. Is unfortunately how I feel like I had to look at it. I get it. I get it. I kind of just took it almost the opposite way. I just felt like his, you know, kind of coming out of not coming out of nowhere. You can't really come out of nowhere when you're a top five pick. But, right. you know, finally, at least living up to expectations, if not exceeding them to this point in the season, I kind of gave him a little bit more credit for that just because it was kind of unexpected. And it was, a, you know, a, a fun little turn of events in my eyes. He's only 22 years old. So, you know. He's young. I, I like the idea of rewarding these young guys when they're, you know, they're, he's showing up against the, the best players in the league. I mean, he's 16th in the NBA in scoring. He's one spot ahead of your buddy James Harden there. Yeah. Uh, a little scoring a little bit more I than bet. him per game. <laughs> I know he's not your buddy. I was just joking. <laughs> you know, he's shooting 50% from the field. He's shooting 44% from three. So he's, he's having a terrific year. And I just felt like Cleveland needed to have somebody rewarded for their, you know, much better than expected play in the first half of the season. And he's obviously their best player. So I I went with him for a a number of reasons and I just, I like the way he's playing. Yeah. And again, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you. That's what I was saying. There's there's only 12 spots that we can give them. First off, the Mm -hmm. NBA needs to expand it to 15, just like a regular roster. That way there will quote unquote only be five players that are snubbed, legitimately snubbed too. It's not like, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can look at one stat and be like, okay, this is higher than another guy that's a shoe in, but the rest of his game isn't as well rounded. I'm I'm not a big fan of doing that, but I wholeheartedly agree that Colin Sexton is balling out. It's just who do I choose over? You you can make the argument for the games that Jason Tatum, but I'm telling you, when Jason Tatum's in those games, he's electric. And again, it wasn't his fault that he was let out. He he didn't even have COVID. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. James Harden, I get the argument that. Both both conferences he played in, you know, which one which one did he play better in? Probably the West, you know, up until now, right? He's starting to roll with the rest of that Brooklyn roster. Mm-hmm. But 
here's a guy that I want to ask you about. How do you pick a Colin Sexton mm-hmm. over a DeMontis Sabonis? I mean, your guy Sabonis is killing. That was it. tough. Sabonis is one of my one of my favorite players too. I, I I struggled leaving him off. Ultimately, I just felt you know, like you said, there's 20 guys that deserve it, and and I don't know. I guess part of me maybe <laughs> thought that last year he got his turn. This year Sexton can get his turn. I, I don't know. It, like I, like you like I said, it was difficult to leave him off. Um, you know, there was another instance where I I realized after I gave you my list and you kind of asked me about it is. I didn't have either him or Malcolm Brogdon on on my roster, and then the Pacers are having a really good year, so they I, I felt like they definitely needed to be represented. And two, I kind of fell into the the trap that you you mentioned and kind of brought to my attention that just because Philadelphia has the best record doesn't necessarily mean they have to have at least two All Stars. And I kind I of hate that line of thinking. By yeah, I, once you kind of said that, I thought about it, and it's like you know what? There's lots of instances where one guy kind of leads to the success of a team, and no more so than this year in Philadelphia. I mean, just look at their, you know, their offensive rating and defensive rating or just plummet when he's off the court. You know, they they haven't won a game when he hasn't played yet. So I think definitely Embiid's the reason they're winning there. And I didn't want to really reward a guy just because he's the second best team on, on the team or second best player on the team with the best record. So I, I ended up squeezing Brogdon in there you know he's definitely deserving um there's quite quite a few I think between the two teams at least for the most part the uh, first time guys that I think deserve it this year so it, it yeah. was, there was a lot of tough choices Sabonis so was probably the hardest one for me though for sure let me just tell you what you're leaving off of your all-star mm-hmm. team so at the time that I wrote this article I think some of these numbers actually went up you know, but mm-hmm. he's averaging over 20 points per game over 12 rebounds per game how about he's just under six assists per game as as their kind of four or five player, right? He's mm-hmm. shooting almost fifty four percent from the floor, thirty five percent from deep. His free throw, like if you left him off for his free throw percentage, I get it because he's just like right at seventy percent. Mm-hmm. He's in the eighty six percentile in usage rate and ninety fifth percentile in assist percentage. So those six assists that he's getting per game, per game are stupid effect, effective. Mm-hmm. Um, his turnover percentage is a little higher than I would like to see, but I also can understand why it's high because he's in a role now that he hasn't been in, I think probably since Gonzaga where he's mm-hmm. and I have it. He's like a, a mini Jokic right oh. now on for Indiana. They can run offense through him. He and Brogdon are clearly their best one, two punch. They got a couple of other guys that are really nice on this team. I had to mm-hmm. reward them both. Now, while we're in the Eastern conference, we do work for Off the Ball Network too. Yes, we and do. We know that it is New York Nick heavy <laughs> in in our group, right? So, you included a guy that I painstakingly had to leave off, and that is Mister Julius Randall. Austin, why am I wrong for not including Julius Randall on well, my Eastern Conference team? I think a, I think a lot of it is honestly kind of the, a lot of the reason that you added Sabonis and I left him off. Um, you know, he's. At 22 points per game, he's at where's his rebounds? Let me find it. He's at 11 rebounds per game, so two more than Anthony Davis. So he's averaging a double double, shooting 81% from the free throw line. You know, 50% from the floor, close to it. I think 47, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there it is. Yep, 47. Uh, you know, 35% from three. He's played the most minutes in the NBA so far this year. So he's out there doing it. You know, all night, every night. And, you know, his assists numbers are are pretty impressive, too. It's uh, he's at like six assists a game himself. So he's kind of Mr. Everything for that Knicks team right now. And, you know, they're, they're another team that is doing a little bit better than expected. And, uh, you know, maybe part of it was I just didn't want to make the bosses mad. Who knows? But, <laughs> no, oh, I think he definitely I think he definitely deserves to be an all star. And, you know, for a lot of the same reasons that you thought Sabonis was so. Yeah, I just Indiana's playing really good basketball mm-hmm. on top they of are. it too, you know. And but you can and argue I, that I they have the better team, obviously. Yeah, right? you know, I, and I don't want to get too far on a onto a tangent, but what you said about the 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 way that they're using Sabonis now, and and he's kind of like a mini Jokic. I mean, think about who his dad was. Like Arvadis Sabonis was yeah. one of the most skilled big men ever at the time, and he, at you one know, point I think he that, might have been the best basketball player in the world. You know, mm-hmm. including NBA, he didn't play in the NBA at his peak powers. But when he did, right. we were only getting like the the waning moments of right. He was an old man at that point, and he was giving Shaq fits. You know, so and two, I I think that was a big part of 
kind of the the issues that the front office had with the way their coach was using him last year and why they went with a new guy because I think he could have been doing this his whole career. And you know, Nate McMillan's a great coach, but uh, he's I no Bjorkren, right? Obviously, <laughs> this guy's <laughs> on to something because they're looking pretty good. So I just yeah. think they're a lot more of a modern looking offense now thanks to kind of some of the changes they made. They still don't shoot enough threes, though. They still do not shoot enough threes. <laughs> but they're getting there. They're getting better. Mm-hmm. And again, Julius Randle, if we had a roster of 15, I may include him. So, Austin, before we get rolling into our Western Conference, mm-hmm. who's a guy that neither one of us had that you're surprised that neither one of us had? Well, I already said Kyrie, so there's one for sure. Uh, the other was probably Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I think that's, Gordon that's the guy. <laughs> Definitely, you know, was another one that was really hard to leave off. Uh, you know, 23 points per game, uh, shooting terrific from the field, looks completely healed from that injury he had a few years ago. Absolutely. And, I, and I've, I think we talked about this actually. I've heard a lot of people calling for him to, you know, maybe win most improved player, but yeah. I, he's already been voted to the All Star team once before. And, I think it, this is just an, an increase in usage rate. He's got the, you know, the minutes and the opportunity where he didn't have it in Boston because, you know, regardless of how good he was, he was going to be behind Tatum and Brown there. So, you know, I just think this is, you know, you're what you're witnessing with him is more just, he's getting more opportunities than anything, but he was, he was definitely hard to leave off. Yeah. I'm not with that whole most improved player stuff. And, you know, there are people that feel like he should win that if he can't be an all-star. I'm not with that because, We've seen, like you mentioned, Gordon Hayward was an all-star. That's not really the intent of the award. The intent of the award is basically to award a, a, an up-and-coming type player. Mm-hmm. And there are players that we could look at and definitely – and we'll talk about one of these guys in the Western Conference, I know. Mm-hmm. There's a couple on the East, too, right yeah. here. You know, Jeremy Grant is one that could do it for sure. And I think um, – Colin Sexton is another one that could be, you know, kind of in the running for it too. So, yeah. And I just want to give also real quick why you mentioned him, Jeremy Grant. Let's give him some shot. Yeah. I have the numbers in front of me that at the time of the article, he was averaging 24 points per game, almost 11 points per game more than his previous career high. Mm-hmm. 6.5 rebounds per game. It's a career high thus far. 2.8 assists per game, twice as much as last season. You know, 1.3 blocks per game, shooting 44% from the floor. 38% from deep and 86% from the line of career high. His usage rate is in the 87th percentile. That That's skyrocketed from any other mm-hmm. career high that he's previously had. And his assist percentage is in the 77th percentile, right? And now what's crazy is that in this increased role, his turnover percentage is only at 6.5% Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's been extremely efficient. I think a lot of people kind of you know, scratch their heads when he took the same amount of money that Denver was offering him to go to Detroit. But it looks to me so far like it was the right decision in terms of his own, you know, career. He may not have as much of an opportunity to win right now, but when the time comes for his next contract, I think these these numbers are definitely going to boost up that, you know, uh, salary quite a bit. So obviously he made a good decision to try to seek out an increased role and I, I think, you know, ultimately in the, with the Nuggets, he, they, he would have been part of kind of a log jam with, mm-hmm. you know, Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. and him all kind of trying to fight for the same minutes. So, Murray, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. So, you know, props to him for choosing what was best for him at the time. And it seems to be working out for him for sure. Yeah, he's due to get a substantial pay raise whenever his contract runs out. I mean, my goodness, this guy is uh, he's he's proven a lot of the doubters wrong. And like you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know. In, in Denver, depending on the rotation, he at best was what maybe the third option, maybe the mm-hmm. fourth. And now in Detroit, it's like, hey, you can eat here. You know, there's plenty of, of love to go around for this team. So and he may have looked around the Western Conference, too, and said, you know, even with this team we have, you know, it's going to be a few years before we can really win a t- have a chance to win a title anyway. So, you know, going somewhere else where I can shine and do my own thing for a couple of years and then figure it out might not be so bad. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. All right, Austin. Mm-hmm. So that we'll let that wrap up our Eastern Conference All-Stars. And we'll talk okay. about our differences in the West. We actually see even more eye-to-eye in this Western Conference than we I did in you. the East. From what I'm looking at here, we only have one disagreement. So, But before we get to that, let us uh, I'll let you roll down your list of uh, Western Conference All-Stars. 
All right. So my starters were, and it was, this was tough because of the, the positional, you know, limits and stuff and the way they do that. But my starters were Damian Lillard and Steph Curry in the backcourt with uh, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and the Joker, Nikola Jokic, uh, mm-hmm. starting five. And then I've got Doncic, Paul George, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Anthony Davis, Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson, and Christian Wood coming off the bench. Yeah, Austin, we I'm so glad that you're my co-host because it makes moments like this. It's just it's so nice that I work with someone who thinks similarly to me, but disagrees mm-hmm. with me just enough to where we can have right. a good conversation. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. my starting lineup is identical. Now, before I roll into the rest of my team, how come Luka Doncic shouldn't be starting in the backcourt? Well, it was tough. It was really hard decision on which guy I thought deserved it. But ultimately, you know, Damian Lillard's third in the NBA in scoring. Steph Curry's sixth. He's, Steph Curry's leading the league in three-point shooting again. And Luka's right behind him at seven. So ultimately, it was just, you know, by a, a fraction of a hair, really, I just kind of decided that those two guys deserved it a little bit more. And I just think they're definitively leading their team to a better start so far than Dallas. Dallas has kind of not lived up to expectations to this point. So that's part of it too. Yeah. And my, my biggest reason was efficiency. It's not just that he's putting up great numbers, but he's not doing it as efficient as efficiently as Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. And I'm glad that I even agreed on this before Dame just hit that ridiculous buzzer beater over Chicago. If you're leaving Damian Lillard off of your starting list, like, Please just take a you know a sober look at what you're looking at when you announce your NBA All Star. Like, right. I get that Luca was coming in as he was my preseason MVP. He's not even starting for me, so mm-hmm. let's remove these rose colored lenses of how we're looking at our teams here. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You know, 29% from three. I think that's in like the the bottom ten in the entire NBA for guys that you know qualify. So what's Russell Westbrook's at while you're looking at it? Well, let me see. That's a good question. Because I know that I know that Giannis is around 30, 31%. So even Giannis is shooting better from three right now. Russell and, Westbrook is currently shooting, I believe, 33%. Yep. So he's better than Luca. And just imagine once Luca gets develops that three point shot a little bit better. He, he can shoot 35, 36% regularly from three. He's, yeah. I mean, he's he already takes averaging like seven a game. game. Too. He yeah, does. He takes a lot. Yeah. So he takes, uh, so I'm going to get through the West of my, um, all-Stars in the West. I'll actually start over. So I got Dame, Curry, Kawhi, LeBron, and the Joker as my starting lineup, as do you. I have Luka Doncic, Paul George, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Davis, DeMar DeRozan, Zion Williamson, and Christian Wood. So let's get into the the glaring only one difference that we have in this lineup, Austin. You have Shea Gilgis-Alexander as a starter. I he was one of the s- about 16 players that I considered for my Western Conference All-Star team. I love SGA. You, I tell you all the time he's got that grandpa game where the game just kind of mm-hmm. happens around him. He doesn't really force anything. So I know why he's special, but I'll give you the chance to explain to me why I'm making a mistake by leaving him off my All-Star team. Well, I was really surprised to see that you didn't have him, man. He's supposed to be your guy, I thought. I, I love, love SGA. SGA. Oh, I know you do. Uh, just, you know, he's extremely efficient. 51% from the field, 37% from three. Um, he's kind of does a little bit of everything for a team that everybody thought was going to be near the very bottom in the in the West, you know. Yeah, what's wrong you know, with having, Oklahoma City? Like, why can't they tank? What's wrong with them? They just keep, I don't know. I think part of it is they they hired the wrong coach if they wanted to tank. You know, I don't think you you, you hire a young, hungry first time coach if yeah. you're really wanting to lose. You know, because they're he's gonna coach his butt off. All these young guys are are trying to prove that they belong in the league. So I think a lot of times to tank, you kind of have to have a nice mixture of of veterans that are are good but not you know household names, and then some young guys that you're not sure are gonna really be nba talents for their whole career whereas this team is almost all guys that are like 20 i think they started a lineup this year that was like all 22 and younger That's so insane. you know they've got a lot of guys that are hungry to prove they belong in the league and sga you know you you said it best last you know before the season started when you were talking about um most improved player to, to come into the year you know or he's got all the chance in the world right now i'm sure his his usage rate is probably skyrocketed compared to last year mm-hmm. but um 
he's just, he's extremely efficient. He, he does a little bit of everything really well. Um, you know, five rebounds a game, six assists. He doesn't really turn the ball over, uh, 2.8 turnovers per game. So, you know, he's, he's kind of running the show there and, and doing it really, really efficiently. So I just felt like he deserved a first nod as an all-star. Yeah. And quick shout out to, um, Mark Diagonal for being the, mm-hmm. the incredible coach, but Austin, you'd actually be surprised. Uh, well, actually, so here's the thing. His usage rate did go up last season. It was all, it was just a hair under 25%. Now it's at 31. But what's incredible to me is that the percentile where this grades out against the rest of the league, mm-hmm. last season he was in the 89th percentile at about, you know, four or five percentage, you know, percentages lower, right? Mm-hmm. Now that his usage rate has gone up, it's actually in the 76th percentile. So his rate goes up, but compared to the rest of the league, he's actually taking a step back. Does hmm. that make sense? Yeah, I get it. It's just interesting, uh, you know, kind of says to me that there's a lot of guys having you know really big years i guess yeah and this is per cleaning the glass by the way highly encourage anybody who doesn't know what cleaning the glass is go and check that out it's actually really good and uh synergy uh sports as well is another great resource to use as well Mm -hmm. but um yeah i mean austin i I love shea gilgus alexander you won't hear me (laughs) complain a whole heck of a lot but I went with DeMar DeRozan, and before I do that, I just want to remind everybody that you're listening to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. We're doing our our all-star special. It's really hard to say, our all-star special. All right, anyway, Mm -hmm. moving on. Uh, I have DeMar DeRozan, and if you were to tell me right now that San Antonio essentially is anywhere from fifth to seventh in the West right now, depending on, you know, how you look at the games back and who's who in the matchup. They're, they were at the time of my article. They were essentially tied for fifth in the West. If you were to tell me coming in that San Antonio would be that high, I would say that you're crazy. I thought that mm-hmm. they would be flirting with the playing game, kind of like what they did last season. But right now, they're playing incredible. Here's what Demar Derozan is doing on this team. He's averaging 20 points per game, 6.8 assists per game, which is a career high thus far, mm-hmm. 5.3 rebounds per game and a steal. You know, it's not surprising that he's shooting about, you know, 48% from the floor. But what is surprising, Austin, is that he's shooting almost 36% from deep. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I had it right in front of me. It's, it's gone up a little bit more than that. It's up over 37 now. So, you know, he's having a heck of a year. And <laughs> right. for somebody that's known as the only, you know, the only guy in the league that can shoot mid-range jumpers, apparently. Yeah. I was listening to Robert Ory on on NBA radio yesterday, and he he made the the comment that other than DeMar DeRozan, he doesn't think there's anybody in the NBA that can shoot a mid-range jumper anymore. Uh, I don't know if that's completely true, but it's definitely somewhat of a lost art. And, you know, he's shooting almost 90% from the free throw line too. Yeah, that's a career incredible. best as well. That's a career yeah. best as well. So his shooting has gone mm-hmm. up. And what's crazy is that his usage rate right now is in the 92nd percentile. That's actually the lowest it's been since the 2012-13 season. Wow. And he's in the 100th percentile in assist percentage, which obviously is a career high, right? And right. guess what? His turnover percentage is also a career best at 8.3%. So whatever they're doing in San Antonio right now with DeMar DeRozan is freaking working, and I'm loving it. So, And well, he's a guy that I don't think is – like even if he doesn't make it, I don't necessarily – I wouldn't necessarily be mad, but I just wish that more people were discussing DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think – if if anybody is good at this, it's probably Greg Popovich, and that's it. Putting your guys in the best positions to you know to succeed. And I I have um, Dejounte Murray on my fa- on my fantasy team, and he's been lights out for me too. So the guards there in in San Antonio are having a heck of a year, and he definitely deserves to be in the discussion. I mean, this is this is one of the deeper All Star discussions and and rosters I think you could ever ever remember at least. You know, there's so many guys that like we've talked about over and over that that probably belong on this team most any other year. And, and DeRozan's definitely somebody that I, I didn't even really consider him. So I'm kind of guilty of that too. You know, I'm one of the people that's probably not talking about him as much as I should be, but uh, I definitely think he's, he's having a heck of a year. He's, you know, setting career highs and all kinds of stuff. And he's, he's fun to watch for sure. I like, I like San Antonio. They play hard. They do. And I think this is a guy that everyone's like, hey, you got to trade this guy, you know, uh-huh. maybe even buy him out. And now he's right. Whatever they're doing in San Antonio, because we look at this all the time, you know, three point, sh- 
especially with prospects coming into the NBA, Austin, what is their free throw percentage? Because usually that's indicative of how they can shoot. DeMar DeRozan has never really been a bad free throw shooter, but his mm-hmm. three-pointer, for whatever reason, just would not really work. This season, his free throw percentage is at a career high, and he he's shooting like 37% from deep, as you said. So it's just incredible to me that one, San Antonio is doing as well as they are, but I honestly think the lar- the biggest reason to their success right now on the court anyway is DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just looking back at his career. Two years ago, he shot 15% from three. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. He yeah. only took 0.6 per game. Uh, that was his first year in San Antonio. And then the year before that, he was at 31, 26, 28, 26, 28, 25. So he hasn't really, he's only broken the 30% barrier. I think this is the third time in his career, maybe fourth, fourth. So he's, he's having a heck of a year and it, it kind of seems like there for a couple years, he just kind of stopped taking threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was less than one per game for the last I mean, two years. Six has got to be what, like 50, 60 attempts on the season. Maybe right. I don't know. Like it's, yeah. I'm not a math major, by the way, if you can't tell, but yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's, that's about right. A, a half of three, one half of a three per game would be, 41 in a regular season so about 50 uh so yeah you know he maybe he was doing his ben simmons impression and just working (laughs) on it in practice until he was a little bit better at it so and he's unveiling it now this year and it seems to be working yeah i mean again i just i think that what he's doing is being under you know undervalued and overlooked Mm -hmm. and i think i think he's worthy of an all-star nod again there's there's probably going to be other names that are going to make this over tomorrow but for my for my list if i'm an nba head coach i'm looking at demar Derozan and what he's doing i i have to honor that for sure so austin we talked about this in the eastern conference with a with one jeremy grant he's one of these guys that is going to be looked at as the most improved candidate mm-hmm. we both included this man in our western conference all-star list he's going to be right up there for most improved candidate as well he actually played really good in detroit last season too mm-hmm. But on limited sample, he could have been a six man of the year candidate, too, if if anybody really paid attention to what happened in the Motor City. But now that he's in H-Town following, you know, the departure of James Harden, playing with the the island of misfit toys right now, just a bunch of castaways that nobody really wanted. We're talking about Christian Wood, if you haven't picked up on this. Mm-hmm. I tried to delay that out. May it build up as mm-hmm. much defense as I possibly could. But um, Christian Wood, Austin, he made your list. He made my list. Why should anyone vote for Christian Wood to be an all-star in the loaded Western Conference this year? Well, just the numbers speak for themselves. He's almost averaging a double-double, 24 points per game, you know, nine rebounds. Uh, He doesn't give you a whole lot in terms of assists, but almost two blocks per game. Um, His effective field goal percentage is above 60%. His uh, three-point percentage is at 38 He's doing a little bit of everything. He's playing by far a career high in minutes. He's playing 12 more minutes per game than last year, mm-hmm. you know, shooting the ball a lot more shooting. And he's not really lost any of any of that efficiency at all. His numbers are just about as good in those categories as last year. And to be honest, I think something needs should be, there's something to be said about the, just the drama that, that, that Houston team has gone through and all the new pieces and all the moving parts and all the stuff with James Harden and, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. You know, last year he did have a good year. It was at 13 points per game. The year before that with New Orleans, he, he averaged, he did average 17, 17 points, but he played in eight games mm-hmm. when he was with all oh, that because he got traded. Before yeah. that, uh, he was at like, what, next to nothing in Milwaukee, yeah, two point. Very small sample size. Yeah. So he, he's somebody that I think too, he didn't he get cut from a team and he was like undrafted and went through the G League for a year. Yeah. He, he took a long route to the NBA, but he's one of these guys that, you know, has improved incredibly in a fairly short period of time. He's only been around since 2015. So in five or six years, he's kind of turned himself into what we both think is, is an all-star. So I just think he's had a really impressive year and he needed to be rewarded for it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's playing phenomenally right now. He's in the 70 percentile in points per shot attempt. So I think that that's, you know, very impressive. He's in the 87th percentile in usage and usage rate. And his turnover percentage is only about 11 percent, which is good enough, you know, to be in the top, you know, quarter of the NBA as far as ball security goes in his Mm -hmm. improved role. Not anyone can just here's the thing, Austin. Some people just look at, oh, well, anybody on a bad team. You know, if you give them the ball enough, they can have good numbers. 
that's true if you just want to look at numbers. But if you look at efficiency, that's what I tend to look at because I kind of agree. You know, if you come into the NBA as a scorer and you're put on a bad team and you have that usage rate and you have basically the keys to the car handed over to you, mm-hmm. you can probably put up a good 20 to 25 points per game. I agree with that. But is your efficiency going to be there? For Christian Wood, it certainly is. You talked about how well he's shooting from the floor in general, how well he's shooting from deep. And again, turnover, how how well you hang on to the ball, that speaks a lot to me. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. His his usage rate from last year really hasn't gone up a whole lot. It was 23 and it's 27 now. So, you know, he's just kind of making the most of the opportunity that he has right now. And his, I always hear that 60% true shooting is that kind of cut off for, you know, what they consider a, a a great player all-star caliber and he's at like 63 right now so he definitely fits the bill numbers wise you know he's and they're not empty numbers either houston's been on a little bit of a run here recently they're they're looking dangerous that's kind of why i didn't understand james harden's whole thing at the beginning of the year like i thought this was the arguably the best roster they've had around him so Mm -hmm. you know i thought he would be excited to play with these guys but i i guess he just he he wanted what he wanted when he wanted and he was going to get it one way or another well, he did bring up a fair point, right? So, and I'm not here to be an apologist to James Harden, but he said upon his departure, he was asked, you know, hey, your teammates seem excited to be here. Why aren't you? And he was like, look, man, I was here for eight years. They just got here. You know, they came from a team that didn't want them to a team that wanted them. I don't want to be here anymore. You know, the reason that I wanted to be here, all my reasons are now gone. Like, that's why they're more happy than me. So, in my head, that makes sense. Do I agree with how he conducted himself? No. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that it was the best way to go, but I at least understand that line of thinking. Right. And, you know, this this whole mindset that, oh, he signed a contract, he, he needs to honor it and stay there. I get that. <laughs> but people change their minds over the course of three or four years. People, you know, things change, like situations change. You know, when he signed that contract, I'm sure he, he thought, oh, you know, in the next couple of years, we're going to be in the NBA finals. And mm-hmm. it just hasn't materialized. So, you know. The, the rest of the franchise didn't really hold up their end of the bargain really there either. If, you know, if their goal was to get to the finals and, and, and put a you know really good team around him. I mean, he had some, a couple good teammates the last few years, but other than that, they really weren't deep uh, and they weren't, there weren't a whole lot of household names on Houston's roster. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to bash him too hard for it, but, you know, obviously getting back to Christian Wood, he, he definitely belongs on this all-star team. If you ask me. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. And just real quick before we move on, the the point that you brought up is like he signed a contract. Why don't they honor him? I wonder how many contracts you know NBA teams would offer if they could, were not allowed to trade or buy them out or anything like that. Right? How much contracts would change if NBA mm-hmm. teams were more restricted on what they can do with players? No, nobody ever talks about it from the other side. Like all oh, these players have to be loyal to their team. Well, the teams trade players all the time. You hear all the time about guys scrolling Twitter and they find out they got traded. Harrison Barnes, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that 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 one was funny. All right, Austin. So we're, we're not going to fall down this easily to fall down rabbit hole that we just stumbled upon. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about our conference big three, a new segment that we introduced here on the show a couple weeks back. And I'm really enjoying it because now we have a little bit of trend analysis going on. You know, mm-hmm. wherever these teams the last time we discussed this, the last Monday, where were they at? So we'll we'll get going here. In tradition, we always start in the East and finish in the West. We're both on the Eastern time, so why not, right? We can make whatever. Right. We have the microphone, so you listen to everything we have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so for the Eastern Conference Big Three, we have the Philadelphia 76ers, your Philadelphia 76ers, actually, mm-hmm. um, the, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Milwaukee Bucks. So real quick before I turn it over to you, the Sixers stayed. In, in the top spot, Brooklyn actually jumped into the big three for their first time. They actually surpassed number three to go all the way to step two or, you know, position two. Mm-hmm. And then the Bucks fell one spot there. They um, went from second to third. They are 11 and eight on a two game losing streak as of this recording. Do we think that Milwaukee is going to stay in the top three? Or do you pro- kind of project them falling out, Austin? Um. Well, you know, I, it was a struggle to keep them in there in this one. You know, there's a, a, a case to be made for the Pacers. There's a case to be made for a couple other teams. And Celtics you know, the, in there, yeah. the Bucks are, are struggling a little bit. They're only three games over 500 for a team that, you know, was just lighting the world on fire the last two years. They, they supposedly got better in the off season. I, I just, I don't see it so far. And, you know, we talked a little bit about them last, last episode and kind of that we think they're just, 
experimenting with some different things to try to be a little more or a little less, you know, easy to figure out, I guess. But yeah. uh, so far, I, I don't really know that it's working all that much. And, you know, everybody said, you know, we, we need to put Giannis in better positions. We need to, you know, maybe not rely on him to bring the ball down so much. But I don't think anybody was saying don't give him the ball at the end of the game. And that's kind of what they've been doing. They kind of got away from that. So they're struggling a little bit. And then really Brooklyn's the big one I kind of wanted to touch on. Just yeah, because, let's do that. Uh, they're on a four-game yeah. winning streak as of right now. They're they, actively playing the mm-hmm. the um, Wizards right now. So, And they're kind of beating them handedly. So they may be, by the time you're listening to this, on a five-game win streak. I think they've won six of their last eight games. That's they're eight and two in the last ten. Yeah, the uh, the two game losses were to the same team against the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. who turns out are actually a pretty good basketball team. Right, and that's kind of what I wanted to get to is just the we as a society of basketball fans. I mean, oh, are we boy. like alarmists and catastrophizers or what? I mean, how much more do you want from Brooklyn? Like everybody was up in arms about how bad their defense was, and they can't play defense, they can't win a title. They're eight and two in their last ten games. Like <laughs> that's pretty damn good, <laughs> and. and uh, you kind of feed into this. Let's hold on just a second. You feed into this too. It's the Kyrie drama. It's the James. You 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 touched on all these things right before. Yeah. The, why all of a sudden are you giving Brooklyn credit, Austin? They're. I mean, they're winning. They basketball. deserve it. They're winning basketball games. Winning kind of cures all ills, and it's still a twenty-one game sample. And they just made a huge trade for a guy that you know arguably plays the the most unique style of basketball in the NBA. So he's. Not that I don't think he can play a different way, because I was one of the people that always said, "Why, why not try something else with James Harden? He's amazingly good. He can do. He can probably do just about anything offensively." But you know, he's still got to get used to not being the guy all the time and figuring out how to kind of defer to to two other stars and and defer to a guy in Kevin Durant that I think we all know is is definitely you know the number one guy on that team. And they have a first year head coach still too. And the Eastern Conference is a lot tougher than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be this year. Because you know, James is in the West, everybody's going out right. East. That is true. It is, it is definitely the case. But, you know, so and the 76ers just had a big win against the Lakers. Uh, you know, I watched that game. I was I was sad that they my Lakers lost, but I do like the Sixers. So, you know, that was that was not too much of a heartbreak for me. And I think they definitely are the best team in the East right now. You know, Embiid's just been on fire. So. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing else that needs to be said about the Sixers right now. They've remained up top in the Eastern Conference right now. So real quick, Austin, let's go over our Western Conference big three. Now, when I wrote these notes, the Utah Jazz were on an 11-game win streak. They just lost to the Denver Nuggets. That I think Nikola Jokic tied a career high with 47 points. But still, they remain atop our our Western Conference big three. They are now 15-5 and five as at the time of that loss. Uh, the, the Clippers... They are second place. They stay there. The Jazz jump two spots to get to first. The Clippers stay at second. But the Lakers fall, too. They are on a one-game win streak. They did come back and win a game after losing two. So, Austin, let's touch on your beloved Lakers. What's going on, man? Um, Well, they lost a really close game to a really good team in Philadelphia. So, you know, on the road, it was their first road loss of the year. So mm-hmm. nothing, nothing too alarming there. The next night, you know, Anthony Davis didn't play. Um, and it looked to me like LeBron kind of ran out of gas in the second half of that game. I think he had 20 in the first half. Oh, no, we have the best player in the world without AD playing against the worst conference or worst team in the Eastern Conference right now. Don't try to make it sound like that's an excusable loss, Austin. Well, I wouldn't say it's an excusable loss, but it's not something that I'm worried about. You know what I'm I mean? Not, like I'm somebody not. said on somebody said on I think it was a, a mean said on NBA radio they could lose 160 to 5 and I still wouldn't be nervous. So, you know, obviously that's a little bit of exaggeration, but they'll be fine. The Clippers are, are really really good. The Jazz were on a crazy win streak. They actually just lost to to Denver today who yep. I do want to mention I I was arguing to put into our top three because they're they're starting to play a lot better so you know probably uh, make it next week mm -hmm. depending on what happens Uh, i don't know the jazz keep it up these three might stay in the top three for a while they're they're three really good teams I'm, i'm impressed with the jazz so yeah, I mean, your Lakers might be in trouble if they sit AD. LeBron's not good enough to carry this team. Oh, come the- on, Steven. <laughs> Let's not playing. start that. I'm just playing kind of, <laughs> sort of, not really, but still. Um, 
they, they shouldn't have lost to Blake, no, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin killed your boy. Killed. Turned back the clock a little bit, didn't he? He looked like Blake Griffin from a few years ago almost. He killed your boy, man. And then Jeremy yeah. Grant, our Eastern Conference All-Star, mm-hmm. played phenomenal as well. Plumlee interesting, game. Interesting fact. I know I already told you this, but it blew me away when I saw it. Blake Griffin has yet to have a dunk this season. Yeah. What's, I mean, come that's on. Unreal. That's unreal. That's insane. I think they said that I saw something a few years ago. He had like 10 dunks in the first two games of the season and he, does, he doesn't have one yet this year. So, you know, he injuries obviously threes. robbed him at five threes. Mm-hmm. When they drafted him to the Clippers, do you think that they ever projected this sort of a Blake Griffin? No, probably not. I mean, when they drafted him, I wasn't sure he could, he even had a post game. I uh, think he was pretty much just a, you know, a dunker, but obviously our, our big threes for each conference are, are what they are. And you know, if anybody has an issue with them, you can find us on Twitter at me, man. You can follow me at mm-hmm. Steven BTG. That BTG stands for the breaking the game show. You can follow Austin Carr at Austin Carr 10. That's car with two R's. Steven yes, has a PH. Uh, you can follow us. Stephen, not Stefan. It's Stefan. All right. So, and you can follow the show on um, Insta and Twitter at BTG NBA pod. You can follow us at, you know, off the ball network.com where you can get all of your sports needs. Austin has some awesome work up there involving trade targets. I have mm-hmm. some that were involved that revolved around what we talked about today. The all-star game. You can keep listening to us, please. We love our audience and we love our viewers and, you know, just keep, Keep tuning in at the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Yes. And that's it. Austin, you want to say something nice to the people? Yeah. You know, you you took the words right out of my mouth. Just make sure you keep listening every week. You know, we love the feedback. You know, comment in if you're listening to the show. Say something to us. We love that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll you know, we'll respond for sure. And, you know, anything, anytime anybody wants to, you know, pick our brains about something, we're pretty nice guys. You know, you don't have to be I think afraid. So. Yeah. I, I've never been too mean in my life i don't know about you but good to myself you seem like a pretty nice guy but no you know everybody thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us this is a lot of fun and thank you to dash radio for having us on there absolutely shout out to rob at nothing but net but all right guys also if you feel so inclined we just broke our previous month uh you know total downloads on our podcast breaking the game you can get that anywhere you have podcasts available we broke our last month which was our you know, previous month high in number of downloads. We beat this one by over a hundred downloads. So just nice. pre- appreciate everybody for the love and support awesome. that you give us. Keep it up, guys. Absolutely. All right. Well, for my lovely co-host Austin Carr, for the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, for the Off the Ball Network, for breaking the game show, for the bas- for basketball community at large, for humanity, for humanity, for the people. We we have been the break in the game show. We will catch up to you guys next time. Much love, everyone. Have a good one.